Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. Our final season preview episode, we would have liked to do all the teams in the Big Ten, but, well, there's football this week and we kind of ran out of time. So uh, we're going to be wrapping up our season previews today, hitting you with some game previews tomorrow, week one previews. At the end of this episode, we're going to give you our final standings and our final wrap-up of the preview, but our actual team previews, Wisconsin, the Indiana Hoosiers, Reed. Let's do it. How are you doing today? I'm doing swell. The Ohio State Buckeyes play football in the yes, near, do. near future. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. The Thursday is going to be an action-packed day. We have University School of Nashville Tigers varsity <laughs> volleyball taking place at 4 o'clock Central. Then at around 7, the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's excellent football timing. Team, the pride of the state of Ohio take the field. So action-packed day, two of my favorite teams in all of sports um in action so i'm just really buzzing for it it's hard not to be i mean also i hope it didn't come off as sarcastic i actually do love volleyball Um, yes he does no reed is a reed reed is a volleyball diehard this guy this guy lives also the the way you said that also sounded like a good joke i'm like dead serious oh no 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 we are we are not we have never told a joke on this podcast um i've had a a few jokes okay we've had a few jokes but this is not a joke reed big volleyball guy Especially if you're on the volleyball team and listening to this. Love USN Volleyball. Give him a call. Reed, Mr. Volleyball. Let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. <laughs> I'm hearing people say this. Mr. Volleyball? That's I might put that in my Twitter bio. I kind of like that. But <laughs> they also call me Mr. Graham Mertz fan and Mr. Guy who was really excited to get into. Mr. Guy who was early on the Graham Mertz train. Mr. Guy who was a Graham Mertz fan before Graham Mertz was even named the starter. Mr. Guy who put a video on YouTube about Graham Mertz that actually was is the first, or at least was for a while. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was the first result for Graham Mertz film on YouTube. Um, that I'm that I'm always gonna tout that achievement. Anyway, let's yes, get. Yes, it this. was. Yes, it absolutely was. Let me wait. I don't know if it still is, but it got like 900 views. Pretty cool. It did. It was. It definitely was in the range of a thousand. Very anyway. Cool. Let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. So this is a team that a season ago, whatever we can take from the season, very up and down, just like their quarterback. They kind of went as their quarterback, Graham Mertz, went. So starting the season off with a big win over the Illinois Fighting Illini, 45-7. to The offense was firing on all cylinders. And then back-to-back cancellations due to COVID outbreak in their program, crushed Michigan. And then they, you know, kind of crapped the bed against Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa, Sweek went out against Minnesota in overtime and then win the Dukes Mayo Bowl against Wake Forest. So, Reed, what can we take away from this season from Wisconsin? This very weird season with a lot of COVID issues and, you know, some great play and some absolute downright terrible play. So last season, we saw flashes from Wisconsin of what kind of team they can be. And this was early in the season. Obviously, Illinois last year was not the cream of the crop. Neither was Michigan, but this team just went ham on Illinois and Michigan I think the Michigan game especially you look at that game and you look at a team who is just packed with talent team that is intimidating a team you don't want to face even when they took on Indiana after they'd had uh, breaks in the season due to COVID and they were dealing with injuries and all kinds of things you don't want to deal with as a college football team they took on an Indiana team, which granted also does not have Michael Penix. This is a Jack Tull Indiana team, but they played a close game and it was at home. Wisconsin was technically the favorite, or at least uh, in the eyes of the 
non-Big Ten college football fan, Wisconsin was the favorite because Indiana hadn't, despite beating Penn State and Michigan, had not really established themselves as a nationwide um, powerful name. Indiana came in, they got the job done, but Wisconsin did not make it easy for them. So even in games where they lost, they were a tough team to beat last season. Wisconsin's always tough to beat. It doesn't matter what the year is or how Wisconsin's doing uh, record-wise or anything like that. They're always going to be a tough team to beat. This year's another example of that. Last year, a lot of the, the, the talent was somewhat raw. You had Graham Earth, obviously, super raw talent. He's coming in. He doesn't have much college experience. He clearly showed that he can ball at the college level. You have Jalen Berger, young guy coming in. Um, believe that was – was that his true freshman season last year? Yes, Am it I was. Mistaken? Yeah, true freshman season, he comes in. He takes over that running back job, um, and he does a pretty pretty terrific job at it. You got Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor. They both get injured, unfortunately. I'm really excited to see what they can, what they can do when they come back in this team um, and what kind of Wisconsin Badgers they can create. And you look at the O-line, too, this year. They have three returning offensive linemen. Wisconsin, usually you would hope to have, hopefully, your whole O-line and maybe everyone but one. But you look at Wisconsin, their team always – tremendous at that o-line position they replace everybody well four seniors three of those seniors are returning the one kind of question mark or, or cause for concern is left tackle logan brown is a sophomore um, but again this is what wisconsin does they always bring in young linemen they recruit o-line amazingly that's just what that's one thing wisconsin iowa always known for great o-line play so i'm not too worried there i love the idea of graham mertz being the quarterback behind an o-line as talented as wisconsin is always known for being, I love this Wisconsin offense this year. And how could you not love the defense? Eight mm. returning starters from last year. I love the linebacking core as well. This Wisconsin team is a team you do not want to face as a Big Ten opponent. Oh, absolutely. I am I am with you. This is an excellent football team, a team that I think is going to win 9, 10, 11 games. Uh, they've got an outside shot at the playoff if they can somehow muster up a win against Ohio State if they were to make the Big Ten championship game. And I'm just penciling in an Ohio State Big Ten championship appearance because – Come on. Um, that isn't a given, but it's uh, it's kind of it's the it's expectation. Favorite. It's the expectation. The it's the expectation. Outcomes. I mean, yeah, it's five in a row. Like anyway, uh, getting back Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, I think, is going to make Graham Mertz a much better quarterback. And this is a guy who his highs were high and his lows were low. Uh, but giving him two experienced receivers we didn't have last year, that's huge. Um, and I think that's going to make all the difference in making him. I think one of the top passers in the entire nation. So having him uh, get those guys plus one of the top tight ends, if not the type tight end in college football in Jake Ferguson, this is an offense that's going to fire on all cylinders because they've got that bell cow running back again. That's something they didn't have going into last season. Uh, you know, Garrett Groshek, Nikia Watson, I thought they were kind of okay options, but they've really got a bell cow now. That traditional Wisconsin running back, your Monte Ball, your Jonathan Taylor, your Melvin Gordon, they've got that now. They've got their guy. It's Jalen Berger, and I don't, I don't see, I don't see him losing that role anytime soon. So, this is going to be an excellent team. This is going to be a team that wins a lot of games, and uh, a team that's got a really good shot of making a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that Wisconsin running back mold because that's one thing we talked about last season that we were worried about. That's a big hole in the Wisconsin team, and we were talking about last year how we wanted Wisconsin to pivot to a more pass-centered offense because Wisconsin, like you said, they've been known for these top tier running backs uh, to come out of their school and they didn't really have one last year. So we were saying we want Wisconsin to go with more of an air raid kind of offense, which we haven't seen from them in a long, long time. Um, so, and we sort of saw that, but really it, it, we really didn't. 
now Wisconsin, it, it feels like a, it feels like a complete Wisconsin offense. Last year, um, you had Groshek, who's just more of a power guy. He doesn't have um, world-beating speed or anything like that. He's just really there to bulldoze you over in short yard situations, kind of like similar to Master Teague, but um, Master Teague is even more balanced than he is. And then you have Nakia Watson, who was much more of just a speedy guy. Now you have Jalen Berger coming in, super balanced back, looks a lot more similar to that, uh, to that build that we've seen in Monty Ball, Melvin Gordon Jr., or Melvin Gordon III, apologies, um, Jonathan Taylor. He's a much more balanced Wisconsin running back that we've become accustomed to in the last few years. So I, I guess the one question I've got with Wisconsin uh, is, is can they, can they make, I don't know, can they make an offense around Graham Mertz? That's the big question for me. Because uh, we saw last year in that Illinois game, they really did throw the ball well. They threw it a lot. They threw it deep. And Graham Mertz looked excellent. But by the end of the season, it felt like Graham Mertz had lost a lot of confidence. Maybe COVID got to him. I don't know what it was. Uh, but he, he didn't look like the same player. And the offense wasn't designed the same. It had kind of gone back to the Wisconsin, hand the ball off and hope the running back breaks something open on offense. I think they need to design a better offense around the actual skill set of Graham Mertz. You know, Paul Chris is going to be calling the plays again this season, which I think could be good for him. He's a better play caller. Um, I think they got to build around him a little bit. And uh, that's how you make good things happen in my mind is to, uh, is by actually playing to the skill set of your quarterback. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I agree with you a little bit, but I also, I'm not completely on the same page as you because I think, as much as I would like to see Wisconsin sort of build their offense around Mertz, um, their offensive strategy around Mertz, I just don't see it happening. Um, and so I, I don't think it's it's worth too much time worrying about um, whether or not it will happen because I think the answer is pretty much no. Wisconsin's always been a run-first offense. And I think especially with Berger, a, a player of his skill at that position, I don't see it happening. Um, but I don't think that's entirely a bad thing because when you think about it, Berger, especially having experience from last season, he's going to come in. He's going to make himself one of the top running backs in the Big Ten, up there with Ibrahim and Goodson. Um, he's going to be one of the top running backs in this Big Ten conference. So when you have a guy like him going in each drive, making things happen, if you have an electric kind of quarterback like Graham Mertz there um, as a secondary option and he's still just throwing pinpoint accurate deep passes, um, that's really not the worst thing in the world. And I think especially when you look at their schedule and their competition, um, I think they they could achieve – I think it's riskier to build a, a pass-centered offense, I would say. I think Wisconsin could potentially go undefeated or 11-1 and um, if they were to try to make it more of an air raid style or more pass-heavy offense. I think they could also end up going something like 8-4, and four, maybe even as low as 7-5 and five if they really try to risk it and switch up their offensive philosophy. Whereas I think if they just stick to what Wisconsin's been doing for the last decade and just – because you look at the Wisconsin teams of the past, they really haven't had a top tier quarterback since Russell Wilson. I mean, Alex Hornibrook, you know, Joel Stave, like they haven't really had that kind of quarterback in the past. So when you have a guy like, like Graham Mertz who can come in and just electrify Wisconsin's pass game as a secondary option in terms of what you want to do when you need yards, um, 
I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think that's the less risky move. And I think they end up getting a solid record. I think they end up getting a New Year's Six Bowl if they just stick to their regular philosophy. I agree. I completely agree that Wisconsin's going to Wisconsin. And if they they do their job, that's what they got to do. And um, I mean, a 10 and two or something record for Wisconsin is certainly acceptable. It's something we've gotten used mm-hmm. to. Um, so not going undefeated is, is obviously this is a great Wisconsin team we're looking at and it's definitely possible that they go 12 and 0. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's definitely possible, mm-hmm. but going 10 and two, or maybe even nine and three, not a bad thing at all for Wisconsin, totally an acceptable result. Um, and it's something we're used to as fans, Wisconsin teams, um, being in that new Year's six slash citrus bowl kind of range. All right. So something kind of related to this, but also little off topic, but I still felt like I had to bring up. So I found a Twitter account not too long ago that's called at Christ memes. That's just actual quotes from Paul Christ's press conferences. And for those of you unfamiliar, he is notoriously vague in his press conferences. So here's some fun Paul Christ quotes here ahead of your season to get you excited for Wisconsin football on Penn state. They have a good staff and good players. That's why they're a good team. The secret to big plays on offense. You need to coach and play good football. And you know what? Both of those things are very true. I can't disagree. If Wisconsin does those things, if they realize that the other team has good staff and good players and they coach well and they play good football, then they can win games. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, not super analytical, <laughs> Coach Chris. But you know what? You don't have to be analytical in a, in a press conference sometimes leave leave the, the the analysis in your office don't share all your information with the press i actually like this strategy don't make all the information <laughs> up in your head be public i like what he's doing he's keeping something up his sleeve i like this a lot from from coach christ makes our lives a little harder but uh looking at this wisconsin schedule we're not going to go through the whole thing i've got them i think at 10 and 2 i um, do as well i'm saying they lose uh i'm saying they lose to notre dame and I am saying that they lose. Uh, hmm. Maybe I've got them eleven-one. I had a second loss on here, but I don't. I don't think they're going to lose to Northwestern. I had Northwestern as a loss, but just because I think that's a kind of a, a little bit of a an odd matchup. But now eleven and one. I got them. I got them going ten and two. I say ceiling undefeated. I agree. Ceiling Over. is undefeated. This is not a this is not a murderer's row of a schedule. I mean, yeah. the only I'm game go that floor I, eight and four. Floor eight and four. Yeah, if if Graham Mertz, that's a great know, floor to have. If I think I think if you know, if Graham Mertz looks like he did in the Iowa game or in the Northwestern game or in the Indiana game, uh, this team isn't going to be that good. But I don't think that's going to happen. I felt like those games are more outliers uh, for his performance. I I think he's a better quarterback than that. So. This isn't too tough of a schedule in the grand scheme of things. Yes, they have Penn State week one. That's a good team with good players and good coaching staff. That's why they're a good team. (laughs) Eloquently put. Well done. But Notre Dame in a neutral site game in Chicago, which I think is going to be a true neutral, that's a a 50-50 split crowd. Um, That's the only one that I think is really tough. You know, they get some of these draws. They get Northwestern at home. They get Iowa at home. They get Michigan at home. they get Penn State at home. Uh, I don't see them losing at Illinois this year. I don't see them losing at Purdue. I don't see them losing the Axe. I don't, I don't think they're going to lose to Army. I think Army could give them a game, you know, an option team, always kind of difficult. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think I don't I think like they're going to lose a lot of these games. Like this is this is a really favorable schedule. I do think I don't think this is an undefeated team though. Um, I will I'll pencil in a loss to Notre Dame. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this Saturday I am going to be wearing my Graham Mertz jersey that you gifted me, which I'm so grateful for. <laughs> I'm going to be cheering on the Wisconsin Badgers against um, oh, yeah. my sort of rival, the Penn State Indian Lions. And I don't, think don't I'm going it. to be – I think I'm going to have a little mini heartbreak when Penn State wins on the road mm. one. And then I also have them beating Notre Dame in that true neutral game. I think part of it is because they're bye week right before, and I think another part of that is just because I am not as high on, on Notre Dame as some other people seem to be. Um, is Cohen going to pick apart the defense? Yes. Yeah. I just, that's I just one thing he knows that he knows the defense well, but they also know him well. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust a Jack Cohen led Notre Dame, especially after, I mean, Ian book's been the quarterback for so long. He's the most successful quarterback in their history and uh, by all the metrics. Um, I don't really trust this. Ian either. book was excellent last season. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's a huge loss for Notre Dame. And then moving on to, Iowa. I, I have them beating Army, I guess. I, I have them beating Michigan and Army. Um, I don't know that Army's notable. You said they'd give them a game. Um, Army will give them a game, not because they're good enough, but because they're an option team. And Yeah. You know who I think will give them a the, the game is low. Purdue. I'm high on Purdue to do a lot of close games and kind of upset scares. I don't mm-hmm. think Purdue beats Wisconsin, but I think they give them a game um, at Rossi. The following week, home against Iowa. I have Wisconsin dropping their second home game of the year. Rare we see them lose at home. I believe we touched on this um, during our Iowa preview, but I have Iowa taking this one. Iowa, at this point in the, in the season, they're coming off a of bye week. They need a win. They, in my predictions, they're, they just lost to Purdue. Um, I just like Iowa here for a lot of reasons. Um, plus, I just – well – I don't know. It, it's it's hard to put into words, but. Well, yeah. I mean, saying out loud that I would just say, saying it out loud that I think Wisconsin is going to go eleven and one just sounds ridiculous because that is a that's an insane record. But this schedule is just so favorable. You you got to think you'll find a loss in here somewhere, but you. And it's not like hard to. I wouldn't even say that it's ridiculous because Wisconsin. It's not like there's some schmuck team who. No, they're not. But but when I think eleven and one, I think playoff contender. And, and just looking at this team, especially you know what they did last year and how terrible they looked in some of those games, I don't, I don't think that's what they're going to look like this year. But playoff contender, that is. Whew. Well, I think at the end of the day, um, they're going to walk into Lucas Oil Stadium against the undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes, and I don't think they're going to have much of a shot in that one. So I think even if they went into that game undefeated, um, I wouldn't really fancy them as playoff contenders because, I mean, well, obviously if they were they gotta under- they gotta beat Ohio State. That's yeah, the they, thing. they would be contenders. Or, or I guess they gotta beat Indiana or no, yeah, supposedly. They would, if if they were undefeated going to the Big Ten championship, they'd obviously be contenders. But I wouldn't if you if you had twelve and Ohio State and twelve and Wisconsin going up against one another, I wouldn't really. I, I, I wouldn't really be thinking, oh, the winner of this game is going to the playoff. I would be thinking Ohio State is going to the playoff unless they royally screw up. Yes. Because that's what our that's what that's what recent history tells us when you look at it. Ohio State And it's also good. what the Ohio State roster tells us when you consider how yeah. unbelievably star studded this Ohio State down. Uh, yes, team. especially this year's team. 
because Wisconsin is a terrific team. They have terrific experience on defense, lots of young talent on offense. Plus Jake Ferguson is not necessarily a, a super young talent, uh, but lots of young talent on offense. Plus Ferguson, who's um, arguably the best uh, tight end of the conference. One of the best in the nation. You look at the defense. I love the linebacking core. I love Caesar Williams, a cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the, he was the only, and this feels weird when when you think about what Wisconsin is a team. He was the only All Big Ten defensive player for Wisconsin last year, and he was on the third team. It's so it feels odd to say that. It feels so wrong that they wouldn't have more. Um, but unless, oh. yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, he was the only All Big Ten defensive player for Wisconsin. But he stands out for them. I like the linebacker core. I like Leo Chanel. I like Noah Burks. I like Jack Sanborn. If I'm saying that name right, yeah, Sanborn. Yeah, Sanborn's I, probably their best defensive player in my mind. I think he's the yeah. second best linebacker in the whole Big Ten. Who would you say is number one? I'd go Michael McFadden. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I like McFadden a lot, and he's he's such a great player. Plus, he has such great leadership capabilities. Um, mm-hmm. McFadden, and we'll talk about him when we talk about Indiana in just a second. That's right. Um, but I love this Wisconsin linebacking core. Like I said, lots of young raw talent on offense. Defense, more seasoned veterans. I like the direction this Wisconsin team's going. You look at last year, tough season, but I mean, you look at their bowl game. They faced Wake Forest in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And both of these teams, uh, Wisconsin was um, three and three going into it. Wake Forest was four and four. So similar records. Wisconsin just outclassed them. They were clearly the better team. Yeah. That just goes to show they're not a, a 500 team. They're much more than that. Last year, they got hit with a lot of unfortunate circumstances. Wisconsin is not – they went 7-5 and five a few years ago. I don't see this being another one of those years. I think they really rise to the top of the Big Ten West. I don't really see – I mean, Iowa will technically be their competitor for the Big Ten West title, but I don't see anyone putting up a super terrific fight for that place in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, Iowa, Northwestern, and I, I just don't think that – I just don't think it's a competition. Wisconsin is just yeah, Northwestern, I don't think they really have – I mean, they the have schedule, a schedule. Well, Northwestern does because of the favorable schedule. That's why. But even um, then, even then, I don't see them. There's, I don't know. I, I even with the favorable schedule, because Wisconsin's a pretty favor, favorable schedule too. Yes, they do. I still have Northwestern going eight and four, um, and I think that's near their ceiling because again, so much production to be replaced mm-hmm. on that team. We've talked about this before. Plus, I mean, they the running backs out now. Yeah. Um, the quarterback situation is kind of murky. Um, FS. What we were expecting. Yeah. So who knows? Northwestern actually is probably the biggest mystery in the Big Ten this season. But yeah, I don't them see and them. I think I, I think Mar- I think Maryland, you could say, is too. Maryland. Um so one last thing on Wisconsin before we go. Bowl prediction. I'm saying Rose Bowl. And yeah. I know I wanna say Indiana goes to the Rose Bowl, but looking at it objectively, even if spoiler alert, I have Indiana in a New Year's six game too. Um the Big Ten sends the second the, – they send the runner-up of the Big Ten to the Rose Bowl. I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten and go to the playoff. Even if Indiana has a better record or Indiana is more deserving or Indiana hasn't been to the Rose Bowl in 50 years, so they should go. The Big Ten's going to say Wisconsin won their division, so they get to go to the Rose Bowl. And it sucks and it'll be annoying, but that's how it works. Wisconsin's going to end up in the Rose Bowl, which they'll probably lose. Yep, I totally would agree with that. I think it's going to be – a not quite exactly the same, but I think it's going to be a similar situation to the 2015, or I guess it would be 2016 since New Year's Day. 2016 Rose Bowl between 
the Stanford Cardinal and the Iowa Hawkeyes, where mm-hmm. Iowa coming from the Big Ten West, great record. They get the daylights kicked out of them. I don't think Wisconsin will really get the daylights kicked out of them, but I don't think they're going to have much of a chance against whichever um, team whichever they have facing, Washington, which USC, and probably is going to be Washington. Yeah, yeah. The Maybe UW, USC. UW. I think USC's got a shot, and I'm not. I'm not super high on Oregon, so. Yeah, we'll but see. any of those would definitely give Wisconsin a run for their money. This isn't first and pack, so we're, uh, we're going to move on. <laughs> There's an alternate universe where it's first and pack, first and 12, something like that. I don't know. Uh, but that's our Wisconsin I think preview. second and 12 would be our Pac-12 Second show. and 12. <laughs> it doesn't have as good of a ring to it, though. You don't want to be second. No, 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 no. Terrible. That means, you, that means you lost two yards on first down. Yeah. Pac-12 kind of is two yards behind other conferences, though, in terms of prestige. Uh, there's, but. there's an argument to be made here. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for part one of this podcast. Now we're moving on to part two, where we talk about the Indiana Hoosiers. All right, part two here of our podcast today. We're talking about Indiana, the Hoosiers, a season ago. Six and two, six and one in Big Ten play. Uh, just jumping into it here. Only lost one conference game by a touchdown at Ohio State. Made the miraculous comeback in the end. Michael Panix threw for 491 yards. He gets hurt against Maryland. They lose the Outback Bowl to Ole Miss. An embarrassing performance. Just a very deflating way to end the season. But they're back. Uh, That game is in the past. I've made my excuses for that game. I talked about how they had COVID. They couldn't practice. How Jack Tuttle didn't have a shoulder. And how they still kept passing the ball when Jack Tuttle didn't have a shoulder. But we've moved on. The past is in the past. Indiana is not six and two. They are not six and one. They're zero and zero, and it's a new season. The twenty twenty one Indiana Hoosiers. We're going to preview them. So, Reed, looking at this roster, they bring back pretty much everyone of consequence last year, and the guys who they don't bring back, they replace in one way or another. So, this this is a deep and talented roster. What are your thoughts on the overall construction of this team? The defense is a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah. I love especially the secondary. Marcelino Ball returning for his one millionth year at Indiana. That's huge for the team. To quote quote Marcelino Ball, by the way, to to quote him something he said, I was there, Big Ten Media Days. He said to to Mike McFadden, he was pretending to be a reporter with us. This is like a fun little tangent, but he went up to Mike McFadden and he's like, Micah, how do you feel about Marcelino being on the team for his sixth year? He old. (laughs) No, he said he ancient. He ancient is what he said. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, real quick on Marcelino Ball, just before we get back into the depth of this defense, they do lose Jamar Johnson. That's the one gigantic loss, I think, on defense because he was so excellent. But replacing him with Marcelino Ball, that's that's about an even trade right there. That's one All-Big Ten for another All-Big Ten. Reid, continue talking about this Indiana defense. Well, now that you mentioned Jamar Johnson, I would say this is going to sound like one of the crazier things I've said on this show. If Jamar Johnson was still in an Indian uniform, if he was not with the Denver Broncos right now, I would strongly consider having Indiana as my Big Ten champion over Ohio State. I would strongly consider having 13-0 Indiana winning the conference. Wow. That's just – that, it's just because that's how terrific of a player he is. And him, Jamar Johnson was, I mean, he was an incredible ball. player. He you was, look, I mean, you look at what Johnson did to Ohio State last year. Yeah, <laughs> a true center fielder. I mean, uh, that game is not nearly as safety. close as it was without Johnson. No, it's not. And he changed, and, he changed and, multiple know, games. 
And, you know, I think that Indiana's going to have great players at safety still. They've still got Devon Matthews, who's really good, Raheem Lane, uh, um, and, well, at Husky, which is hybrid between safety and linebacker, a guy who can play the box, a guy Marcelino who can play such a the field, too. He's just built like that's a Marcelino Ball. player. Just, yeah, Marcelino Ball is perfectly built. He can, he can do about anything on the field. Um, yeah, that and that's Ball. I mean, you're going to have him. Um, and you're going to have Bryant Fitzgerald, who played in Ball's absence last year. Ball tore his ACL right before the season. He got the extra year of eligibility, so he's back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in this secondary, and you mentioned the name, but we didn't really get to talk about it enough. Tywan Mullen's a first-team All-American. Uh, that's that's the one guy. You know, they lose Jamar Johnson, but another year of Tywan Mullen, a full year, he gets another full offseason. He didn't get, you know, in between his freshman and sophomore year. He's only a junior still. Um this guy's incredible and he can he can take on about any receiver in the nation and, and give him a game because you know, he might be small, but man, he can he can move. He is quick, he is feisty, and he's really great off the block, you know, getting into the backfield. Um, they really like to run that corner blitz with him. That is this is just a versatile player. That's what I would say about this Indiana defense, is it's versatile. There's a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. Um, pretty much everybody on this defense isn't, you know, a one-trick pony. I guess the, the only thing is the, the bull position, which is uh, a specialized position on the defense. Alfred Bryan will be starting in it this year, which is just rushing the passer. That's what it does. Um, but other than that, everybody on this defense is built to do something other than what their position mainly does. It's a versatile group uh, and a group that can do about anything that, that you ask them to. They're a great situational defense, and I expect that to continue this year. Yeah, and another thing that you you obviously cannot forget to point out is Michael Penix returning. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Penix, I would call him the best quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I, he's just he's dealt with injuries his entire career, so it's not a certainty that he'll be playing the entire season with Indiana, just because he has been. It's unfortunate to say, but he has been an, an injury prone quarterback in the past. I hope to see him play an entire season, um, and that's the one thing that has me a little apprehensive about picking them. Uh, to have as good of a record as – and that is also the one thing that would make me the most hesitant about calling them a potential Big Ten champion if they had Jamar Johnson. It's just the question, would would Michael Penix play the whole season? Mm-hmm. He's got to stay healthy. Right now, but I have Indiana with a with one of the best records they've ever had. Um, but one big thing that that relies on is Michael Penix being at the quarterback position. But another thing I, that I want to point out is if they can get through week three or – if they can get through week five without a Penix injury, I think they should be in a really good position because they finish out their last seven games are Michigan state, Ohio state, obviously Ohio state's game. You need to be full strength for, but then you have Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, Minnesota, Purdue. I think they can win all of those games They're I think they are the better football team than all of Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue. Just overall top to bottom. They are the better football team. So if Penix can just stay healthy early in the season, obviously you, you want him to be healthy no matter what, but early in the season, if he can stay healthy, that will be huge for what kind of bowl game Indiana will be playing in and what kind of program they'll be coming in terms of how the nation views them as a whole. You know, it's hard to predict an injury and look into a season with the eyes of this guy's going to get injured, even if it's a guy who's gotten injured three years in a row, Michael Penix. But, yeah. you know, his injuries have all come towards the end of the season, e- each of the last three years. Um, you know, he, well, 
first one he only played in that Penn State game his true freshman year. That was the only game he played in. Injured late in the season, though, it was November. Um, then against Northwestern, I think it was late October, early November, he, he got hurt. And then against Maryland last year, late November, early December. I can't remember the exact date on it, but late in the season. Um, so some of that wear and tear can add up, and I don't know if that's what it was. I think for Penix, a lot of it was like freak injuries with him, and it's just kind of bad luck. But he's had that bad luck year after year, and that's, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a coincidence anymore. But uh, this team does not reach its ceiling. Jack Tuttle, I think, is a good quarterback. I don't have an issue with Jack Tuttle as a quarterback um, if he's healthy, which he wasn't for the Ole Miss game. But um, – this team doesn't reach its ceiling without Michael Penix. It doesn't even come close to, to scraping its ceiling without Michael Penix, but he is the key to everything. And I've been saying it since we started this podcast, since Michael Penix was the backup presumed going into fall camp in 2019. Uh, since then, since I was like, Oh, they're going to start Peyton Ramsey over him in, in my mind, nothing wrong with Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey is a good quarterback. Uh, and he proved that in 2019 and 20, but I have been so high on this guy. And I think this is the year that Michael Penix puts it all together. He stays healthy and he has that kind of season. I don't, I don't want to call him a Heisman contender. I, I think that that might feel a little too bold, but if he has the kind of season I'm expecting him to, which is week in and week out, he's the best player on the field. He's the most important player on the field. He is the guy who determines the outcome of every game. Or if he doesn't determine it, he comes damn close to determining it. He's the most important player on the field for Indiana in my mind, um, and it's not particularly close. Uh, this is a guy who's going to get some serious hype for some national awards. He's a top five quarterback in the country in my mind, and if he's healthy, this guy's the limit for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of what you just said. And, yeah, saying he's a Heisman candidate is definitely a hard thing to do considering just what – I mean, you, you look at Spencer Rattler – and uh, Derek King, I think, are the two Heisman front runners, and of course C.J. Stroud um, and Clemson's quarterback can all, and of course Bryce Young and Alabama, they can all, depending on how they do in their first real season as starters, they can all definitely get to the front of that race too. So that's a solid top five of quarterbacks in this country, plus Sam Howell. So lots of talent at that position nationwide. So it's hard to say that Penix will be in the Heisman race, but I mean, if he takes an Indiana team. Of course, Indiana all around is, is a terrific team. But again, people who don't follow the Big Ten super closely, people who are big SEC or Big 12 fans, they're definitely aware that Indiana is a solid team. But especially after that Outback Bowl performance, they're probably – Indiana is not really on the radar as a team that can make a New Year's Six Bowl. I've seen a ton of people rank them behind Penn State and Wisconsin, which after last season feels a little blasphemous. <laughs> yeah, so, it, so if Penix can take an Indiana team um, – and make them a New Year's Six Bowl team and put in stellar performances week in and week out. He could actually be in – he could be in that top five of Heisman contenders late in the season just because a lot of other people and a lot of national voters are going to view it as, oh, he's taking a team that's not that great and making them fantastic, whereas I think a Jack Tell Indiana team still goes 9-3. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of people would probably disagree with that statement. So – if Michael Penix can make this Indiana team get 10 or 11 wins, he definitely is in that conversation for those type of big, big national awards. Yeah. Uh, and the a reason for that, let's be honest, it's Ty Freifogel, who 
shocked me by coming back to college. Uh, maybe the second most surprising announcement of, of a guy coming back in the Big Ten behind Chris Olave, who I thought was long gone for the NFL. Um, Olave's back and Ty Freifogel's back. This guy was the Big Ten receiver of the year a year ago. He was incredible. I mean, we saw what he did against Michigan State. We saw what he did against Ohio State. Ty Freifogel last year went from a guy who I thought was a pretty decent second receiver behind Wap Fillier to a guy who can take over a game all by himself. This guy's a game breaker. He is an excellent deep ball receiver. Uh, and he is, if Michael Penix is the key to Indiana's success, then Ty Freifogel is the key chain because he's the one who's holding the keys together maybe i don't know i'm trying to come up with a good analogy here the analogy is not i don't think the analogy is sticking but with that whatever it is michael Penix is an excellent quarterback and i i have sung his praises for well over two years now he is not gonna have the season he had a season ago and he's not gonna have the season i expect him to this year without ty freifogel right next to him because this is the type of receiver that every team in the country needs and indiana's got him uh, but lining up next to him, there are a couple new faces. DJ Matthews, a transfer from Florida State. He's going to be filling in the slot, basically playing the Watt Fillier role. Uh, and I've heard great reviews for him out of camp. Uh, Stephen Carr, transfer from USC, is going to be the running back, replacing Stevie Scott. A lot of similarities to Stevie Scott's game. I think he's a, a little quicker and shiftier than Scott. Run game was an issue a season ago for Indiana. Run blocking especially. They really struggled with run blocking. And, you know, the predictability of the run game was was an issue for me. Um Felt like they dialed up the same draw play on first down every drive. It got a yard or two at best. And then they decided, well, running's not working. Let's throw it. And the throwing worked, but, you know, they just threw it too much. The, the run game never quite clicked last year. That's one thing Indiana really has to figure out if they want to be the team that we think they can be. Uh, and they want to reach their ceiling. And one player I do want to talk about, though, you know, before we move on to some broader stuff here, Miles Marshall. Here is a guy who. You know, a lot of Indiana fans, when they talk about Miles Marshall, they think about the drop, the big play against Wisconsin that he dropped, the wide-open touchdown pass uh, from Jack Tuttle that pretty much would have put that game out of reach. And Wisconsin did have a chance to, to tie it up late, but you know, the, the Hoosiers stopped him on fourth down. Um, Miles Marshall was incredibly solid last season. He was very consistent, and he didn't get a lot of the, the, the flash and the shine because – you know, when you look at the names on that offense, Michael Penix, Stevie Scott, Ty Freifogel, Watt Fillier, Peyton Hendershot, you don't really think about Miles Marshall, but Miles Marshall week in and week out got his job done. And I think an expanded role this season, Miles Marshall is really going to shine and, and get a lot more catches, a lot more touches, and a lot more attention because, you know, he, he was more than just the drop last year. Miles Marshall was a really good player, and I think he's going to get a lot of what he deserves. Yeah, um, and another player I want to talk about is um, David Ellis. I feel like David Ellis, of course, this, this is a great starting three of wide receivers, but I feel like, especially if DJ Matthews, of course, you said rave reviews coming out of camp about the kind of player he is. If when we get into um, the regular season, he doesn't seem to be filling in that Wapfilly role as well as people might have hoped he would, or, you know, he's just not as good at, at, at Indiana as we were expecting. I feel like David Ellis can really come in and do just as good of a job. I like it. I just love Indiana's receiver depth. Obviously, it's not Ohio State level, 
but I just love the depth here. Jacoby Lots Hewitt. Lots of really, yeah. David Hewitt, Ellis. Javon Swinton, and of course, a transfer from Texas A&M, a late transfer uh, guy, Cameron Buckley, who was a projected starter at Texas A&M last year, a team who finished top five in the nation towards ACL and didn't play last year, transferred in. Uh, and I think he's like fifth or sixth on the depth chart right now, which is interesting, but. Yeah, and that's why saying Indiana is a Big Ten championship contender. Again, I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten this year. They're certainly a contender. They've got a shot. I would say they're the third most likely team. The reason I would say that is just I would say Wisconsin's the second most likely just because if you're in the Big Ten championship game, anything could happen in a football game. Um, so, you know, but I would say they're the third most likely team to win the Big Ten this year. And saying that they're going to have a record uh, with double-digit wins and go to near six – Sounds a little bizarre when you consider Indiana's football history. But these are just these are the things that take that um, make a conference championship level or New Year's Six level team. Having tremendous depth like that, having this kind of defense, having tremendous depth at, at secondary as well. Linebacking core is terrific as well. Um, these are the things. These are the elements of a team that goes on and does big things. Um, one thing I want to ask you about though is how you feel about this Indiana defensive line only returning one starter on that entire defensive line. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have on this team? So, you know, they are returning just, just one starter. That's DeMarcus Elliott, who yep. is a great starter. Uh, and I thought he was probably their best defensive lineman last season. Um, it was, it was DeMarcus Elliott, but they do bring in two guys who were starters for other teams. They brought in two guys from the portal. They really did recruit the portal hard uh, this off season. Uh, Ryder Anderson transferred from Ole Miss, who was a very good defensive lineman. He had a sack in the Outback Bowl, believe it or not. Uh, and they bring in Weston Kramer, a defensive tackle, who was a starter at Northern Illinois and was one of the better players on their team. I think he finished 17th overall in PFF for defensive tackles nationwide. I might be a couple spots off on that number, 17, 18, 19, that sort of range uh, for defensive tackles nationwide on PFF grade last season. So I think they brought in some very solid players who, who might even, you know, you know, make, make this team better, I, I think. But when you've got a secondary like that, as long as the defensive line is competent and the pass rush is competent, I think you're in good hands. My biggest question for this team is the run game. It's the run game and the offensive line. Number one, you have to keep your quarterback upright. And that was something that – look at how much he's gotten injured. You can't say they've, they've done – entirely their job there but and looking at just how they ran the ball last season that is my biggest concern they really were not a good run team last year stevie scott i don't think was the issue because you know there were games where stevie scott looked good when, when he actually had space to move stevie scott you know he could do some excellent things but they've got to block better for steven carr this year they just have to uh and they have to call better run plays and i, I complained about this earlier but that really has to change. Nick Sheridan's got to do a better job calling the run game. Uh, and and that's going to make Michael Penix better as a passer because you know, they're going to be able to run more play action stuff. And and that that's going to just improve your team. That's going to open up your offense. That's, that's what having a good run game does. And it's not that they've had bad running backs, but the offensive line has really struggled in run blocking. That's got to be fixed. And, and, you know, they've shuffled. I think they're shuffling around a little bit of the offensive line this year. I'm expecting them to at least. Um, and, and they've got to just call better plays. They just have to get more creative with the types of, of runs they're, they're going with. But beyond that, 
I don't have a whole lot of questions or concerns about this team. It's, it's Penix's health, running the ball, and maybe defensive line. And those are the only questions I've got. This is a very set in stone team, a very solid roster, a deep roster with tons of talent, Big Ten level guys, all Big Ten level guys at pretty much every position on the field. Um, this is an incredible roster. It, it just is. This is by far the best Indiana football team of my lifetime. And this has a chance to be one of the best Indiana football teams ever, period. Yeah, I agree. I think this record, um, and I will admit, I, I don't have a list of Indianist records um, in the past, but my memory tells me that if, if they go with the record I'm predicting them, them to have, which is 11-1, this will be the best Indiana football team ever in terms of record. or Yeah, percentage. it's certainly in modern college football since like the 80s. Oh, absolutely. It's the best modern one. college football, this would be the best thing. I team. believe the best, I, I think 1945 and 1967. I don't really consider that modern college football, though. Yeah, that, that's a different era. Um, those were the last times they won the Big Ten. Um, they haven't won the conference since. They haven't the last major bowl game they went to the new year's six level bowl game, they went to the peach bowl in the eighties um, and lost to, I believe either Auburn or Tennessee. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. So they played one of the others in the Liberty bowl, but uh, yeah, not, not a whole lot of, I mean, it's Indiana football. What, what do I need to say? But this team feels different. This team absolutely feels different and they've got a murderer's row of a schedule. I mean, Iowa week one, Cincinnati week three, then they go at Penn State, MSU, Ohio State, at Michigan. This is a difficult, difficult schedule with, with some unfavorable timing on things. But if there's ever been an Indiana football team to stare that schedule dead in the eye and take it on and you know, give it hell, it's this one. I agree. And let's let's get right down to that schedule. Let's look at the, the main games in this one. Um, I think my – take on the record is a slightly hotter than yours but i mean I, I think we both here's my thing i have indiana going 11-1 we usually do ceilings and floors um on the show when we talk about records i would say their record is 11-1 and their ceiling is 11-1 i can't see indiana going undefeated this year because even if they beat ohio state i just find it hard to believe that they could beat iowa away cincinnati penn state away and then ohio state those four games it's so tough for a team to win those four especially when they don't have a culture where um, you're used to being the powerhouse of the conference year in, year out. So it's hard for me to say that they would go undefeated. So I would say I would say ceiling and prediction at 11-1. I'll go floor eight and four, which is bizarre to say because in the years ago, we would say ceiling eight and four maybe, and that would be a little ambitious. Um, eight and four, I think, is the absolute worst this Indian team can do. Of course, barring injuries. Um, of course, people can get injured and – Terrible things can happen. And they have happened. Yeah. I think an Indiana team with um, zero to two significant injuries goes eight and four at worst. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people predicting eight and four outright as the record for this team. And that's their record in 2019. That's this team is, it's just stupid. This team is I, I, sorry, but that's, that's that. stupid. This team is so much better than it was in 2019. That 2019 team would get clobbered by the 2020 team and beaten even worse by the 2021 team. Uh, this team is really, really good. I'm going 10 and two for now. I mean, a little more conservative. My ceiling is 12 and 0. I think this team could legitimately win all their games. There's not a game on this schedule that I look at and I say, Indiana has no chance of winning that game. The Hoosiers have a shot to win every game on this schedule. They've got a legitimate shot. I think they've got better than a 40% shot 
of winning every game on the schedule at, at a minimum. I would say the the worst one is Ohio State, and I still say they've got a like a 40% chance of winning that game. 35. Let's say 35. 35-40. Yeah, ballpark. Every other game no, I think is – Just messing with you. Every other game, 40 or above. I'll say. We'll say it. Yeah. And my floor is 8-4, and four, though. I, I think that's the absolute floor if the, the bottom falls out and – Basically, Michael Penix gets hurt. And even if he gets hurt, I don't think they go eight and four. I think they go like nine and three. But I'm going to say 10 to two is my record prediction. Uh, I'm going to say they lose to Ohio State and I'm going to say they lose to Penn State. I think they're a better team than Penn State. I, I think they, they're a better coach team. I think they're a, just as talented of a team, maybe not in terms of star rankings, but in terms of you know talented college football players and all Big Ten level guys. I think they're just as good as Penn State. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of tough to see Indiana beating Penn State back to back years and like, you know, on the road, Happy Valley, upset after last year. I don't know. I just kind of have a bad feeling about that one. But I, I think Indiana is going to be the better team. So it's entirely possible and probably more likely they win that game than lose it. But I don't, I don't know. Got a bad feeling about it. But I think it's entirely possible they win both of those games. I think Ohio State is, is a much better team than Indiana. But if Indiana's undefeated going to that game, it gets Saturday night football somehow instead of big noon kickoff, which keep your fingers crossed. But if there's enough hype oh, going into that game, and I mean, the Hoosiers played them to a touchdown last year. They, they had a chance to win that game on the final drive, a chance to win. And obviously they didn't, but they had a shot. I think Indiana's only ending up better this year. And, I don't think this Ohio State team is quite as good as last year's. So just doing the math on that, you would say, oh, Indiana's got a better chance winning this year than last year. And, you know, going into the game, I think they will. And I picked Indiana to beat Ohio State last year. I had a really good feeling. Everything went right for Indiana in the second half of that game after it all went wrong in the first half. If they play two halves of football like they did in the second half, there's no reason they can't beat Ohio State. Do I think it's going to happen? No but they've got a damn good shot. This is as good of a shot as Indiana's had to beat Ohio State in the last 30 years. And it's been 30 since they've done it, over 30. This is as good of a shot they've had since then. So uh, if it's ever going to happen, it feels like it's going to be this year. I see what you're saying. And if I was an Indiana fan, I would be pretty optimistic about that Ohio State win, or at least extremely optimistic compared to my optimism in previous years. Because like you said, this is Indiana definitely has the best chance to beat Ohio State this year. Um, as they've had ever since that game 30 years ago when they won. Um, I I still have Ohio State winning that one, and I have Ohio State going undefeated. If I were to rank the games Indiana is most likely to lose, I would have number one, Ohio State, number two, Iowa, number three, Penn State, and number four, Cincinnati. The reason I have Iowa over Penn State is just because it's week one. It's on the road. Iowa's um, bad week one, and I think Iowa's, Iowa doesn't match up well against this team. Iowa never know, comes out of the gate strong. I don't know. I would if it was Iowa was week ten, I would be more worried. Yeah, I don't know. I would just say Indiana fans, because especially because obviously there there are bigger things on the Indiana schedule than Iowa. Don't overlook Iowa. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to have your hearts broken week one um, at Kinnick Stadium because it is definitely within the realm of possibility. Oh, very I do much. have them winning that game though, and then I, I have think. them after beating Idaho in a game that I wish was at the Kibbe Dome. Um, I have them at home them. <laughs> defeating the Cincinnati Bearcats. Bearcats? Is that what they're called? Yes, they are. I wanted to call them. The, when you were saying Cincinnati, in my head, I auto like Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know why I just questioned whether or not they're called the Bearcats. Um, <laughs> Bearcats is a weird name. That's it is that's a weird, weird name. But it is a Bearcat. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Come on, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's the most. I don't know why team. I question that because I've been watching. Maybe I've it's just been too far since I watched college football. But I have them beating the Cincinnati Bearcats. That is, um, assuming there are no plan changes due to anything coming up or COVID. Knock on wood. That is the first college football game I will be attending this year, and it'll be one Woo-hoo. of three Indiana games I'll be attending in person. So excited for that one! I think in the game, this is going to be the biggest game Indiana's played in a long time with fans in the crowd. The Penn State game last year is the biggest game. The Penn State game in Ohio State. Certainly the biggest home game. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Last year's Ohio State game, I think, is probably bigger because it's conference. um, And the implications of that. Yeah, and it's Ohio State. Yeah, but But, in terms of home games. When you look at home games with fans in the stadium, that's one of the biggest ever. Yeah, this Um, thing is, I think the answer is it's 30 tickets away from a sellout now. And that – let's be honest indiana football doesn't sell out many games this is impressive yeah. i think the tides are fine i just i can't see especially indiana they they of course there was no crowd last year but indiana anytime the intangibles favored them last year um they tended to get it done this is a, this is a situation where the intangibles totally favor them i have them doing the job at western kentucky the following week shouldn't be a concern um and then on the road a little bit State. of a weird one though at wku little funny yeah. Then they take on Penn State on the road. I just have a funky feeling about this one. They nearly did it two years ago when Penn State was clearly the better team. This year, I just have a funky feeling they get it done again. I, I think Indiana just kind of starting to feel it too, Reed. Now that you mentioned the 2019 game where they 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 really deserve feel the to funk win that as game. well. The funk is I'm feeling is going, running through feeling your the, the Jake funk. I have the funk. <laughs> I am feeling the funk when it when it comes to this game. Clip that, that funky feeling is with me. Clip it. <laughs> I kind of I'm starting to feel you on that. I think Indiana can win this game. I think yeah, I'm gonna predict it. No, screw it. Eleven and one. Wow, the eleven and one Hoosiers bolted this is, in. I, I was afraid to say you it. You know what? I was afraid. It, when when this show started, when the concept of nine Minnesota was foreign and odd. When I when when me making a bet with my brother about whether or not Minnesota will win seven or more games was risky on my end, <laughs> who would have thought Minnesota would go on and finish the season at was it eleven and two? We did. We did. It's entire. I mean, let's. This is. Let's be real. Come on, Indiana. Totally can go eleven and one. I don't think they can go undefeated, but they absolutely can go eleven and one. It seems crazy. Because we've been, none of us have ever been alive, or I guess neither of us, someone listening to the show theoretically could have been alive for a time when Indiana was a top team. But neither of us have been alive for a, a single season where Indiana going 11-1 is a somewhat likely or reasonable outcome. But the day is here. You've talked the me into it, Reed. is real. You, you've talked me into this. I... I wanted to be conservative. I wanted to temper my expectations. I can't do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be dead honest with you. I'm too excited. This team's gonna be fun. <laughs> this is this is the this is the best Indiana team of my lifetime. Uh, and as somebody who's been watching this team for a very 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 long time, I uh, I'd be lying if if I'm not as excited for this team as I've been for 
maybe any team in any sport my entire life. Um, I've got a really special feeling about this group. I just do. Yeah, it's it's hard not to feel it, especially if you're an Indiana student or a lifelong Indiana fan. I can't imagine. I feel like you're doing a terrific job of trying to stay um, impartial, unbiased. I am am an unbiased journalist. If I was in your position as somebody who has lived my entire life watching Indiana football and now an Indiana student, I would I would totally have them undefeated and I would talk about how there's no chance we could ever. I mean, look at me. I'm, I have a Nashville t-shirt on right now. I believe truly in my heart that Nashville soccer club is going to win the MLS this year. And I'll debate anybody on this. I you actually talked me into, you talked me into this too. Okay. So if <laughs> I was an Indiana student, I can't imagine what I would think this Indiana team would do. So I, I kind of want to just hats off to you um, for at least trying to stay reasonable because <laughs> it's – it, this is such – this Indian team is so easy. I'm, I'm going to be reasonable on air. On air, I'm reasonable. <laughs> That's true. You definitely are more reasonable on air than you are off air. But you're, st- you're, you're, even, you're still reasonable then, to a certain extent. <laughs> I will also say, though, on this Indiana schedule, the one game I could see really creeping up and biting them in the ass. Maryland. At Purdue. At Purdue. Because the first, because it's a rivalry game, always we, we've accepted a college football rivalries are weird, weird stuff happens. Rivalries. This is going to be a close game. Because I think well. you're right. Yeah. Purdue though. Maryland. Maryland's going to be a funny one. Maryland's going to be weird. I can see Purdue being exactly like the Ole Miss game last year, where obviously Indiana is the better team. They have more talented roster, but a Purdue offense that can light a Purdue passing offense that can light things up in a heartbeat. You never know. Well, I think the, my thing is that this game. The, the bucket is going to be close no matter how good or bad either team is. Yeah. It's going to be a close game. They could game. be going into this game 10-1, and one, only lost to Ohio State. Um, Purdue could be 4-7. and seven. high about themselves ever having, after having Iowa since the state and away. Um, we kind of just skipped over that one. They could be going into this game 10-1, and one, feeling high as a kite, and Purdue could absolutely – deflate their hopes imagine how brutal that would be i think a 10 and 2 indiana team that loses to purdue does not make the new six not necessarily that they won't no. deserve it yeah because they just won't well because it's you know people, people would well the committee would be like oh but they lost my, the committee has a recency bias let's be real mm-hmm. you know if those two games were the start of the season different story but yeah i don't know uh i'm more i think nervous about the iowa or not iowa uh Iowa, I certainly should be. But in terms of weird games that just have a bad vibe to them, Maryland. Uh, Halloween weekend. Especially on the road following the road, the Ohio week State. Week after Ohio State. So either you've got the the post – win or lose, you've got the post-Ohio State hangover. Like, not literally, but, you know, you're still kind of on off of the fumes of that game. You're still kind of feeling that, you know, either in a good way, like you're, you, you can't get over it and you're – you think about, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So maybe that, that kind of gets them. They overlook it a little bit. They're like, we just played Ohio state. We, we don't need to worry about Maryland. Well, I, I mean, I don't think this team usually has that kind of mindset, but Hey, it's college football. We've seen weirder. I think um, a nightmare scenario for Indiana is they lose to Ohio state. They have the Ohio state hangover at Maryland, drop that one as well. And then on the road to the big house, they just can't get back on their feet, and they lose three in a row. Yeah, I would call that possible. Not yeah, saying it's, it's possible. Happen. It's possible, but I don't know how likely it is. Um, yeah, um, Michigan or Maryland, excuse me. 
I think this is a game Indiana's going to win by like 13 points, but it's going to feel a lot closer and more stressful than a 13-point win. Kind of like Rutgers game last year. Like Rutgers last year, exactly. This this game is going to test your patience. Who's your favorite? That is a total safety game. That's a new term I'm going to start using on the first ten. A weird Six. game. Maybe it doesn't exactly have a safety, but that's going to be a weird game with a weird score mm-hmm. where weird funky yes. stuff. Yeah. That is a safety game. I'll, uh, I would actually even call that coin a that trademark it. Each trademark team it. Is the other team. Yeah. This this is I don't know. This is going to this is going to test people's patience. This is going to be a terrible game. I uh, and I would say, feeling. And, and and for the – we've had a, a couple terms. I feel like in order to define that term, the the epitome of safety games – and I actually don't know that, that there has been a safety in this matchup in the last several years, but Michigan State Northwestern. Yep, 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 yep. Epitome of safety That's games. That's what I was going to say. All righty. So we've kind of looked over most of the schedule, but and we've talked about the team in depth. Sorry about bowl game. I want to say Rose Bowl, not to you know spoil anything, but I'm talking to a lot of people right now who are talking about the Rose Bowl. A uh, little allusion to a story of mine that'll be out later this week. Um, Rose Bowl is what people want. People want to go to Pasadena, and who can blame them? It's the Rose Bowl. But just judging by the way the Big Ten calls the, I'm I'm calling it like I see it. The Big Ten isn't going to send the East runner up to the Rose Bowl. They like to send the West champ to the Rose Bowl. They're going to send Wisconsin to the Rose Bowl. Indiana's going to end up, in my mind, in some other New Year's Six Bowl. Fiesta Bowl, something like that. I'll say Fiesta. Indiana's in the Fiesta Bowl. They win the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, I would say an 11-1 Indiana team is totally in. So the playoff this year is what, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl? Yep. Yeah, I would say 11-1 Indiana is a total Peach Bowl team. They People, totally go yeah, on and play um, – well, not Cincinnati because they're already, they've already played – Play Cincinnati. Georgia or Florida. Cincinnati of this year. They play the – 11 they play the, one or so. Yeah, they play either the, the fourth, third or fourth, third or fourth place in the SEC or, uh, you know, pick your favorite Chief Hive team. And I'm going to say – I could see a Peach Bowl actually, Indiana. One of my awful, terrible – one of my awful, terrible t- – that's a good one. Yeah, one of my awful, terrible takes this year is that I think Cincinnati – isn't going to win the American. Uh, I think UCF is, but I like that take. Yeah, I wouldn't call that awful or terrible. I think Cincinnati goes nine and three. I lost totally to Indi- Indiana. Their schedule's not easy. At Indiana, at Notre Dame, UCF. Yeah, not an easy schedule they have. Um, yeah, I would say Indiana at ten and two though they're in the Citrus Bowl against LSU slash Auburn. Mm-hmm. And I think they win. I think they'd win the Citrus Bowl for sure, Peach Bowl or whatever. New Year's Six game, pick your favorite. God forbid the Rose Bowl. Um, I'd have a tougher time picking them, and I have a tough time picking them in any bowl game because it's Indiana in a bowl game. But yeah, yeah, the the record speaks for itself. But a lot of reasons to be optimistic this year for Hoosier fans. Certainly going to be an interesting season, big season, high expectations. Kind of a weird thing, but damn, it's exciting. So. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the first and 10. And we'll see you next time with some actual football content, some season preview wrapping up here. We're going to have game previews. We'll see you next time. Bye.